Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Delight, we are exploring the Christmas narrative and seeing how the coming of the Christ child brought joy and comfort to those in need. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. You know, I have a confession to share with you. Christmas time, it's fun, but honestly, it's also a time of anxiety for me, and the anxiety comes in this way. Anxiety comes to me specifically regarding money. Shannon and I, every year, sit down and we put together a Christmas budget. And she's the primary manager of the budget, and she does a fantastic job. We hardly ever go over. We typically do really well. There's always surprises because we forget, oh, we've got to buy a gift for Uncle so-and-so and all that kind of stuff. And, and she does a fantastic job over the years. But I have to tell you, I have to confess, as soon as I discover that we're getting close to our budget, as soon as I discover that we might have extra beyond my budget, I freak out. I freak out. I turn into the Grinch. I'm like, let's cancel Christmas. Probably wasn't December 25th anyway, right? I freak out. I lose my mind. Typically get into a big argument. Argument has to deal with does stocking stuffers, should they be counted in our general budget for Christmas or not? You know what I'm talking about, ladies, right? You know what I'm talking about. And I can't believe that I would get all upset about the fact that stocking stuffers, I see them as add-ons. Hey, wait a minute, you call an add-on, we decided this, right? I freak out. Why? Well, because I don't like to spend money, maybe. It's primarily because I have this bad connection this bad story in my mind that says if we spend more than we plan, if we take out money out of our savings more than we anticipate it, it puts us in a vulnerable position. We won't have money to deal with whatever it is. The reality is, is that the anxiety that I feel is generated by the stories I tell based on the circumstances that happen that are unplanned in my life. You know, I come to the Christmas story, and what I love about the Christmas story is that it's a real story. It's not make-believe. It's not pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by. It's not an idealization of individuals that teach us moral lessons. No, we're talking a real story with real people. Real story, real people, real junk, real suffering, real difficulty, real struggles. And if we're open to that, and we see the victories and, and, and the defeats. We see the, the, the difficulties and, and, the, and the things that, that have to be overcome. If we look at Christmas as, as real, we can see that Christmas will provide and can provide and does provide hope for people like me who deal with anxiety. And I think every one of us deal with anxiety in some way. And the Christmas story provides us an opportunity to be encouraged, to delight because of the Christ child. There's a story of anxiety in the story of Christmas right in front of us if we're willing to open our eyes. It's a story that begins with a girl named Mary. Remember her? Remember her? Mary, young woman chosen to be the one who will bring in the birth of the Messiah. Mary. And Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we are first introduced Mary this way. This is what it says. It says, now in the six months, now this six-month reference is to a 
continuing story earlier about Elizabeth, Mary's relative, who becomes pregnant. And it's a pregnancy that was not anticipated because, one, she had difficulty having children. Two, she was now too old to have kids, but she becomes pregnant with John the Baptist, who is the prophet promised to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So this six-month reference is to, to that. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph and the descendants of, of the descendants of David. David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let me just stop right here. Let's just take an account of what's happening. Here's Mary, young woman. We know she's a godly woman based on the text, based on the story that we have regarding her. She's a godly woman. She's a good Jewish woman. She's a young woman, and she's engaged to Joseph. We know is an honorable, righteous man. And so you've got to think, this girl... Must have been a place in her life when she was thrilled to be where she was because everything was coming together. No doubt she was a little girl that dreamt of one day being a wife and a mom and having Mr. Wright come into her life. And, and in those days, the way it worked was uh, a man would, would pledge himself to be married. They would get engaged, and then he would leave for a time during their engagement. He was considered technically married, really, but he would leave to go and prepare a place. He would go to his father's compound and prepare a house, a room, a place for her, for him and his new bride to then be able to live. And then he would come back and collect her, and there would be a wedding ceremony, a celebration of that, and that's what they would do. And so we're obviously catching Mary at a time where Joseph had offered himself to be her fiance. There was love in the air. There was excitement coming along, and he was now preparing a place for her. Mary was living right in the sweet spot of life. And we also know that Mary, in many ways, was a princess, living a princess tale, right? Because she was a, a descendant of the great King David. And so no doubt Mary was at a place where she really wanted to be. The script was playing out for her in a good way, in a great way. You know, I think every one of us have been at a place like that when, when things are just coming together as we anticipated. The, the dreams we had were, are now coming to fruition. Mr. Perfect is now the boyfriend. Miss Perfect says yes when I ask her to marry her. Marry her. My, my job is coming together. My degree is done, and I'm starting to earn real money, and, and I'm able to pay my bills, and my car is the car I want, and the house I buy is the house I want, and, and the career is coming together, and the children are coming together. I mean, we can describe our life simply as, hey, I'm playing this game of golf, and every drive I have is down the middle of the fairway. Oh, God is good. I'm in control. Good, good, good. Happy, happy, happy. This is the sweet spot of my life that I want to be in. You know, we, we've experienced that in life, and many times, let's be honest, that's the place we want to be, right? That's the place we want to live. That's the place we want to operate because ultimately we want to live out this story that we have in our minds of where we need to be and what we need to do and God blessing us and God giving to us what our, our desires of our heart are and, and, and that's the sweet spot. And that's where Mary was, I believe, until Gabriel. Gabriel enters into her life, messenger from God, an angel. He breaks into her fairy tale in many ways, her great story, and totally turns it upside down, doesn't he? Gabriel comes to her, and what does he say to her? 
And coming in, it says, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement. If you have your pen, you want to do some writing, I encourage you to, to really underline that, that, that phrase, very perplexed at this statement. And then keep underlining and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Now, I looked up the original meaning for the word very perplexed. Literally, it means to stir up. So you think about something being stirred up, right? Figuratively means being upset. And then the writer puts in this word, this adverb, very. So not only was she upset, she was very upset. Now we're talking anxious. And then he adds on another modifier. What does he say? And kept pondering, kept on thinking about this thing that's happening to her. She was seriously shaken. She was in serious anxiety because of what the angel said to her. What really causes anxiety in our life? Let me tell you how it happens. We're living our life, hopefully according to the plans we thought it was going to go, and something happens. It could be something small. It could be something big. It could be something in between. And when that happens, all of a sudden, we take a new tangent in the conversation we play out in our mind, right? We get into a fight with Mr. Perfect. We don't get the raise we wanted. The kids that are born to us aren't angels. <laughs> the job is not as fulfilling as we thought. The house has to be repaired. There's a spot that shows up, a lump, a sickness, a loved one passes unexpectedly, an accident happens. Something from the outside happens, and all of a sudden, this perfect story of our life is shaken. We're reminded that, wait, we, we are really not in control, and therefore we stop playing the story of what's going to happen next, and as we start playing that story, it creates anxiety. We perceive an act on the outside as a threat to our security that we then exacerbate because that which happens outside is taken on the inside, and a story, a narrative begins to play that is usually not good. We start going to the worst-case scenario, right? We start saying, let me Google that. Let me see what that issue is. What's the possibilities of this condition? Oh, my goodness, I'm going to be dead in two days, right? <laughs> That's how anxiety works. 37-year-old Sarah Fader. She's a social media consultant in Brooklyn, New York. Not too long ago, she shared this very personal uh, aspect of her life, she was planning to go and visit a friend in Oregon. She texted her friend. The friend did not respond right away. So she blasted out on a Twitter account, 16,000 plus followers. She said, I don't hear from my friend for a day, my thought. They don't want me to be my friend anymore. Then she wrote, this is what anxiety feels like, hashtag. Thousands of people responded to that 
tagline and shared similar stories of how something like a friend not responding right away takes you down a road that is completely not based on reality but produces anxiety. Sarah says, if you're a human being living in the year 2017 and you're not anxious, she says, there's something wrong with you. Now, a lot of us can nod our heads because this is the realities that we live by. One way or the other, dealing with anxiety, worrying, stressing. But I will have to disagree with her. This is not normal, and this is not how God intended for us to live. And the reason I can tell you this is because anxiety is killing us. It's a prison that ultimately leads to a death sentence. Living with constant anxiety physiologically destroys our bodies. Can't sleep. Blood pressure is high. Can't keep the weight off. Can't keep the sugary stuff out of our mouths. Become paranoid. Create monsters where no monsters exist. Create outcomes where that outcome is not really what's happening. Recently, I saw a presentation by a man named Simon Sinek, and he was talking about this. He said, you know, the connection is really this brain chemistry thing called cortisol. Cortisol. Cortisol is part of our, our fight or flight mechanism. Cortisol is what God put in our bodies to protect us from danger that's obvious. So as soon as something is threatening to us, what happens? Well, what happens is that there's a dump of cortisol and adrenaline. Adrenaline gets our heart beating, getting us ready to fight or flight, run, run or fight. Cortisol does the job of shutting down things that you really don't need while you're running for your life, Right? Good stuff, but it shuts it down temporarily so that you can be ready to focus on what you need to focus to save your life. Well, the problem is, is that we live in environments that are so insecure that we have these perceived threats, and then we maintain those perceived threats. What's outside starts coming in, and it causes a slow drip, 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 drip of cortisol in our brains, and our brains become saturated with this chemical that, are, that shuts down vital things that are healthy for us. We can't sleep. We become paranoid. We see enemies everywhere. We start having physiological things happening to our bodies where our blood pressure is always high, and, and, and we are unable to keep off the weight and unable to be motivated to do this or that and the other. It's because of cortisol that's created by anxiety. That is, founds its origins in what? Stories that we tell ourselves on the inside that keep us in the state of fear, anxiety. Stories that we start telling ourselves because of what? Something happens, small or big, in our life that rocks our world in the assumptions we had about the world and where we were going. Mary had a world rocked when this angel appears to her and tells her, greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored one. You are going to be selected by God to be the mother of the Messiah. Mary's perfect story was interrupted by an intersection with God. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. <laughs> do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Do not be afraid, Mary. Why? Because you found favor with God. The acceptance of God's grace is the antidote to anxiety. How is that? Well, when you accept God's grace, you welcome God into your life because grace is the way by which we are made right with God so that God can be, what? Can be close. What is Jesus' name proclaimed in Matthew? Emmanuel, God with us. Anxiety is overcome when we accept the truth of God's word and rest in trusting him. Jesus means that we have access to God, the greatest resource available to the universe. We have access to God because God is close, and God's grace provides us a way to be renewed in our thinking, grounded in the truth, standing firm, holding on God's hand, even if the stuff on the outside is crazy and scary. We have access to God whom we can pray and ask questions like Mary. Listen to this. It says in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I think it's important that we understand the full ramifications of her question. Hey, how can this happen? It's more than the physiological, hey, how can I get pregnant if I'm a virgin? I think the full ramification of the question, how can this be, also involved her, her moral life and her social life, her emotional life. No doubt the, the ramification of this question is, how am I going to tell Joseph? Can you think about that for a minute? Think about that, rela- that conversation. Uh, hi, Joe. Um, uh, I'm pregnant. I didn't cheat on you, I promise. It was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Talk about stress. Talk about anxiety. Matthew says that when she told Joseph this, Joseph kind of didn't believe her at first. Honorable man said, okay. Made plans to break up the engagement, divorce her send her away to a quiet place so she would be protected somewhat. God stepped in again, sent Gabriel to Joseph and said, Joseph, Mary's telling you the truth. Take her as your wife, to which he did. Probably took her as his wife earlier than planned, but took her as his wife anyway, which tells me that it's okay for me in the midst of my anxiety to ask for help, to cry out to God, how is this going to work? To ask for assistance in in being calm and, and trusting in Him. You see, 
Anxiety is overcome by good connection to community. First, community with God, knowing that He is close to us, but also community with others, others that will open our eyes to the working of God, to affirm the goodness of God, because that's what happened. Mary is told, hey, by the way, as an affirmation, that this is all in my plan. Though your world is rocked, I want you to know that I'm in it and I'm with you in this. Your, your cousin, your relative, Mary, that old lady that tried to have kids for years and years and years, could never have kids, now too old to have kids. She's pregnant. In fact, she's six months pregnant. Go and check her out. Go and visit her. Open your eyes by reaching out. And when you reach out, you'll have a confirmation of the truth that is captured in the statement by the angel. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. In fact, I like how NIV says it. NIV says, the words, no word from God will ever fail. See, the gift of Jesus means that we have access to community that allows us to be able to rescript the stories that are based on unreality, the stories that are based on fear in our mind, rescript them with the truth. To connect with God, who is our ultimate resource that defines what is right and what is good, and to know that He is close, and to connect with others that can help us see God at work, who can encourage you in us. Whatever your greatest fear, whatever the cause of your anxiety, the reality that God is near and that God is open to your questions and crying out. And if you're open to open your eyes and to trust in Him, you can relax, breathe, relax, and know that you're okay because God is with you. Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Jesus means that nothing is impossible with God. It's the means by which we can choose to get up and say every day, with Mary, here at the end. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May it be done to me according to your word. I read the story of Mary, and it reminds me that the gift of Jesus means that I can be delighted that God is with us and nothing is impossible with God. And that whatever fear I deal with on a day-to-day basis, whatever tangents my mind runs to, if I choose to submit, to connect to a community, starting with God, allowing myself with others, a community that grounds me in the truth, nothing is impossible with God, and I can rest in that and overcome my anxiety and my fear. I came across a story about a man named Patrick Smith. He's a, he's a pilot. He flies Boeing 757s and 767s. Matthew shares in this article about how the greatest anxiety passengers feel on a commercial flight is turbulence. How many can relate to that? Yeah, yeah. So whenever the plane hits turbulence, right, the white knuckles appear. And if you happen to be sitting next to someone who's afraid like that and you're holding their hand, you lose circulation to your hand. <laughs> Fingernail marks enter into your hand. There's blood shed. Your arm could feel like it's going to fall off. Now, the interesting about turbulence is, according to Patrick, is that from a pilot's perspective, 
turbulence is no big deal. According to the pilot's perspective, turbulence is actually normal because they know that no amount of turbulence really is going to cause the plane to lose its wings, do a flip, go down, whatever. No, turbulence is normal. The reason why they try to avoid turbulence, the reason why they kind of make a deal out of it and they go to different altitudes to avoid it is simply to keep the passengers calm and to keep coffee in everybody's cups. <laughs> From the perspective of the pilot, turbulence is part of the flight. Now imagine you're going through a situation and you're hitting some turbulence, right? And you're starting to do the bounce, bounce, the light, boom, please fire us in your seatbelts, make sure we're in there, and you're like, oh, what's going on, right? That starts happening. I've been in planes where all of a sudden you've gone, boom, down, and that's scary. You don't want to go, woo, like a rollercoaster. You're just like, ah. And in that moment, what happens? Your brain starts to imagine there in the cockpit, the pilots are like, ugh, this is dangerous. What's happening? Jim, pull up the blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're like, mayday, mayday. And you're thinking everything's happening because you're about to die because you're hitting turbulence, right? No. More likely than not, Pilots are probably joking. Oh, everybody's coffee is all over them now. <laughs> and they're drinking their orange juice, chillaxing. Because pilots know turbulence is part of the flight, and they're not afraid. Now, Jesus is the pilot of our life. When I was younger, they used to allow you, not anymore since 9-11, but they used to allow you, if you were afraid, you know what they would do? They would allow you to go to the cockpit. Did they ever do that when you were younger? They would allow you to go to the cockpit and, and sit with the pilots. And i tell you what, that was the best thing for me as a kid, sitting with the pilots and just picking up their confidence and getting to know them and connecting with them. Well, if Jesus is the pilot of our life, we have access to the cockpit. It's called prayer. It's called fellowship. It's called assurance that God is with us no matter what. It's the assurance of the truth of the story of Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. And so when we're flying that plane and we go through turbulence, hey, I know the pilot, and I know he's with me, and I know he's not worried. And so instead of anxiety, I can turn myself into submission and have confidence that this is what it means to live by faith. And our lives will have turbulence. It's inevitable. Our stories will have situations that come into it, even though we've planned it out, mapped it out, even though we have white picket fences and perfect husbands and perfect children and perfect dogs and perfect everything perfect. Even we have this anticipation of perfect health because we eat perfectly and we do all the perfect things and we did everything right with God and so we should have no problems in life. But when we do, oh no, what did I do? Are you with me on this? So since we have... If we know that God is with us and when we face turbulence, the pilot of our plane has it under control. We can say with Mary, we can say with Mary, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. The story of Mary reminds us that the gift of Jesus means nothing is impossible with God, which then can really translate to our life because we suffer from anxiety. It really is a problem of our world. The constant barrage of bad news, the constant barrage of 
of media that tells us we're under threat, the constant uh, ability to Google worst-case scenarios and get into thinking that, that really puts the fear, fear into us. Lord, it sets us up in an environment where we're immersed with anxiety, and it's killing us. Lord, we want to be free. And we thank you that the real-life story of, of Christmas, Mary, her encounter with the angel and the anxiety that that created, uh, serves as an example for us to follow. Help us to have the courage and faith of Mary to realize it's okay when faced with something that is just beyond us. It's okay to cry out to God knowing full well we have access to the throne. And then even though we may not have answers to our questions, we may not get the results that we request, the healing we ask for, the life that we ask for, Lord, we can still have confidence, as Rick said, that there's no fear, that you have conquered all things, and that if we hold on to you, we can truly enjoy life to the fullest. Pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to know that, that anxiety is overcome when, when we engage in life-giving community, community with you first, but also community with others that, that know you, others that can point us to the God sightings in their own life that can serve to, to strengthen us and to change the narratives of negative thinking that we tend to carry on that create anxiety. Ultimately, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the source of assurance, the reason why we can delight. Emmanuel, God with us, help us to daily submit as Mary did. Behold, the bond servant of the Lord, may it be to me as you have said. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.